The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross three. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 69 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined as always by my co-host, out in the mecca of basketball, Los Angeles, California, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Good. This is our special Thanksgiving show. So hopefully people are listening to this one as they travel or maybe as they try to hide from their family. Yeah. Quick kind of note. We are recording this on Tuesday, not our typical Wednesday, but the show is still airing on Thursday. So if we miss things that happen Tuesday or Wednesday night, that is why. There's a little bit more lag to this episode than our typical episodes, so way to get the people way to get the people excited right off <laughs> for an outdated podcast. I mean, here's the thing: you you know you want to do an MTV Challenge podcast where you want <laughs> yeah. us to record at two o'clock in the morning after the challenge airs on the West Coast. It's just you know it's not always possible. But I wanted to say I'm traveling on Wednesday. Zandrick has probably a lot of other things to do. He's a very popular guy. He's probably got several Thanksgiving dinners to go to, but. This will air its normal time, but we are taping it on Tuesday. Well, and also, like, um, we're talking more big picture stuff anyway. It's like a good, like, Thanksgiving break for, you know, people, not necessarily for the players. It's been, you know, 15, 20 games. It is a good time. It's not quite quarter of the season, but, like, almost. And it's a nice time to, like, think about big picture stuff. And for all these people that are complaining about the episode airing, you know, being recorded on Tuesday, we told you last week you weren't even getting an episode. So this is a bonus. So I don't want to hear any complaining from the peanut gallery, but one big picture story that did break earlier this week and provides us lots of opportunities for gambling potentially on Bovada Sportsbook is Woj and Zach Lowe coming out with a story about the NBA potentially shrinking the regular season and adding an in-season tournament and then potentially adding a playing game and talking about potentially reseeding come playoff time with four conference winners getting, uh, you know, reseeded. And Zan, I thought this was kind of an interesting thing to talk about. And, and if you want, I can go into some details or we can talk about if we think the NBA needs to change their schedule at all. That's a good question. And let's go into like, okay, big picture. Let's start there. And it's not surprising in this sense. This is talk about real big picture, like sports back in the day, back in my day, you know, 1910, um, like they didn't even have playoffs. Like you would just do the regular season and whoever won the most games, that's your champion. Yeah. And even, and even after that, they started to do whoever won the league, then the winner of the two leagues played each other and there was never any playoffs at that. Point. And that, that's was like the, especially in baseball, like winning the pennant, like that was it. You won the pennant, you go to the world series, the end. Um, and so it's just more and more in baseball. I think I, you're more of a baseball fan. I kind of like their system right now. They've added playing games and, and extra, you know, divisions, extra, you know, playoff games. I like that. Uh, it's weird in the NBA. They're in a unique situation because over half the teams make the playoffs anyway. Um, 
and the playoffs are kind of long, you know, even in terms of duration and, and game wise, like they're I mean, really, really long. And, and that's one of the biggest differences between the baseball playoffs and everything else is like, yes, their playoffs are long, but they play. They only have travel days. If you're in a home city, you play every night. But in the NBA, you get a day off in the NHL, you get a day off. And I do think that contributes to some sort of like viewer fatigue, probably. Right. And I, I think this is more like combating the regular season, like malaise that the NBA definitely has. I mean, honestly, as somebody, you know, we do a podcast every week and there's only so many times you can talk about how great LeBron is. Um, and there's really not that much standings drama right now. Like we talked about it last week. It's, it's looking at like, if I'm reading this correctly, like the East, for example, seven of the eight teams that made the playoffs are in the, the top eight spots, Miami with the exception whom most people expected to make the playoffs. Yeah. I think we both picked Miami and, and not only just to pick, make the playoffs, it was easy to look at that roster and be like, they're probably going to be a top five seed in the East. Right. So there's not that much surprise. I mean, we could talk about a couple of them later on, but so I, so I could see the, the complaint season's too long. There's the load management, you know, media makes that an issue every once in a while. Um, so what's the solution? What, tell me the proposals and we'll go through it. They were saying that the NBA season would probably go down to 78 games. And it seems kind of amusing when you're like, okay, that's just four less games. That's not actually that few. But if you're able to take those games off the schedule for everybody and then potentially eliminate back-to-backs and maybe shrink the preseason a little bit, then, you know, all of a sudden, maybe your load management things are a little bit less. I, I highly doubt that 82 to 78 will make Kawhi Leonard play more games. but I understand that the the big thing being the I think the biggest thing is the in season tournament, which is exactly what you're talking about, Zan, to combat sort of the like you said the regular season delays. And my guess is this would be in November or December, probably before the NB, the NFL playoffs start, or right at the beginning of the NFL playoffs. And obviously, this would go in weeks, and it would it would be all 30 teams. So what they would do is. They would have six different divisions and the six division winners well, these would be regular scheduled regular season games. The division winners would then advance to the bracket and then the two teams with the uh, next two best records would advance for an eight team single elimination bracket. Okay. And that would be sort of the tournament. And then the tournament, the, the reason they would get. So only the, so there would be, when you say the division winner, the, think about like it, think little... about it, think about it like this. And I don't know, you may not, this may be way over your head, but we will certainly have some people who listen. But think about it like the Champions League for soccer, where are you, you play, way over, man? Yeah, you play you play in your group stage, and the winner of the group advances to the knockout stage, and then they they don't really have wild cards. That doesn't really or think. Okay, think about it like the World Cup, Zan. It's exactly like that. But in that situation, you play more every team in your in your bracket. I mean, every team in your group stage. Yeah, correct. The pre knockout games would be part of the regular season schedule, and the six division winners based on home and road records in the group stage. And the two teams with the next best record would advance to a single elimination knockout round. The teams would then compete in quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. And the ways to make this matter is there are proposals that would compensate players and coaches for advancing and winning the tournament. And even with that, the NBA is claiming that they are unlikely to get the entire league to make an enthusiastic commitment at the very start of this. But it's here's my initial thought on what you just said. I I love a tournament in any form. I love tournaments that March Madness is the best example, but like blood sport, great movie because there's a tournament. 
even a bad movie like Quick and the Dead. Did you ever see that? Never saw that. Have seen Bloodsport any number of times. And they, <laughs> like you said, the, the tournament is exciting. Every single time you watch, it, you're like, "Oh my God, is John Van Dam going to win or is he going to die?" One of the two. A Quick and the Dead is Sharon Stone is a gunfighter in the Old West, avenging her like father or something. I don't know. And there's a big tournament of like gunfighters, and it's watchable. First of all, it's like one of DiCaprio's first roles, one of Russell Crowe's first roles, but it's a tournament. It's, it's a bunch of crazy people fighting in a, in a, it's fun. And it's a terrible movie, but let's talk about our age gap for a second. And and we've joked about this before. Cause you're not that this much is like the nineties. Come on. But you're talking about quick and the dead, which I've never even heard of. You also talk about blood sport, which obviously I have because it's a cult classic. You know what movie I thought of when you were like, Hey, what movies have tournaments in them? Dodgeball with starring. Dodgeball. I don't know. I'm not sure if you've seen it stars Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Steven Root, you know, pretty good movie, but that's the movie I thought of when, I was like, oh, what movie has a tournament that's fun to think about? Dodgeball, that's what I got. Okay, hip guy. Um, <laughs> hip guy or bad movie guy? Bad movie well, guy. Well, no, I think Quick and the Dead is actually worse. Uh, Dodgeball is kind of fun. But anyway, the point is, any tournament's fun. Um, and, but the point is, like, well, there needs to be a point. So, so what's the reward for winning this tournament? Right. And they're saying it would be financially based. And here's my financially based. Here's my quick here's my quick counter to that. And I do also like the idea of a tournament. Even the worst teams in the NBA, like even like who's currently have the has the worst record, throwing Golden State out of the mix because they obviously like the the worst teams would probably have no chance of making the playoffs, like Memphis five and eleven, Knicks four and thirteen. So even like Memphis, like Jonas Valanciunas makes fifteen million dollars a year. Do you think that that guy needs to play in a tournament? with the chance to make like an additional 250 grand. Like, and then again, I'm just using, I'm using Jonas Valanciunas because I know he's a highly paid guy on a bad team, but like Julius Randle's making $20 million a year. Does Julius Randle give a shit if the Knicks win a December tournament for a financial prize? And would these, I'm just curious, like, cause there'd be in a tournament, you'd play extra games. Would those be part of the standings? Uh, the tournament themselves, the knockout stage would not be the the regular season games would be. So you do kind of blend. So the reward for playing in this tournament from a team's perspective is money, theoretically, but also wearing your guys down. Well, that's the thing. And that's why they would shrink the schedule so that the most games you could still play because it's quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. So the team that wins hypothetically would still play either 81 or 82 games based on, you know, how many rounds they have it go. So if you just have it be quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, and it's a 78-game regular season schedule, then those teams would play three more games, and it would be an 81-game schedule. Ugh, I have so many thoughts. It might go, like, an hour and a half with my thoughts. Because I, I like the idea of the intention of making the regular season more exciting. I think this is a bad solution. It's just not, it's not fleshed out, right? Because like the, the league is going to say like, what, why, why do like the Clippers want to win this tournament? You know, they don't, right? Well, like, you know, and also I feel like the NBA, we've talked about it before. They're very reactionary in terms of like media storylines. And, you know, because the regular seasons are kind of boring relatively compared to like the NFL, where every game seems to matter. Um, like, I feel like ESPN and maybe Fox sports, like they like control the narrative almost like, Remember a couple of weeks ago, everyone was talking about the Knicks. Like, why would we care? I don't know. ESPN is making that a storyline. feels like every couple of months we're like, let's talk about tanking and how terrible it is for the league. And that's a storyline. How do we fix that? Them flattening the lottery odds is one. It, honestly, it's one of the worst decisions, I think, that the NBA has made over the last couple of years. 
but it always like flares up like Herbie's like, this is the thing we're talking about now. And, and same with this, like the conference realignment, like people don't want to talk about the games necessarily or what happened last night. So they want to talk about, I guess we are doing the same big picture stuff and, and make like drama out of nothing. Well, I think that that's why the NBA is an interesting league, right? Because so much of the NBA exists because of its social media presence, right? And you get to see like, okay, we're going to talk about this a little later, probably not not entirely like specifically this game, but like so many people know about Zach Levine shot against Charlotte on Sunday night. But Zan, like how many people do you think that tweeted about it actually watched any more than the last 45 seconds of that game? Probably nobody. And I actually happened to be watching a little bit of it because I just didn't, you know, we're like a highlight culture, but that's, that's what it is exactly. And so like, I guess what they're saying is if they can improve the stakes and maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe an in-season tournament, you know, like I said, you know, you can use Bovada for it and and get people interested in gambling. And and like, I think that's a legitimate possibility, but I I hate the in-season idea so much more than I hate the play-in idea. Like the well, play the idea is a good idea. Yeah, because then it's like, oh, make the playoffs, you know, and then you got to Yeah, change. but that, that's what I'm saying. Can we, can we merge the two? Tell me, you know, try this on for size. See if it fits. Um, the same idea, cool, 30-team tournament, whatever. Um, but let's add some real stakes. Whoever wins the tournament is guaranteed a playoff spot. Or let's say in the standings, they get like plus five wins or something like actually tangible that would make a big difference. And you might think, who wants to see Memphis Grizzlies in the playoffs? Two things, like it would be fun just to like have them win the tournament, but also you're relying on the fact that those teams probably are not going to win. And I have a question. I don't want to take credit for this because I have seen it several different times. I think I, I, I definitely think Andy Glockner, who used to write for Sports Illustrated, he used to do Bubble Watch. I, I think he is a big, he also wrote Chasing Perfection, which is kind of a book about analytics in the NBA, but why not just why not just run the NBA sort of like not entirely like the Champions League or like you know English football or whatever the Premier League but like why not relegate the two teams that finished the worst and then bring up D League teams into the NBA because then you uh, get more financially owners. it doesn't make but, sense. but can't you get more owners interested like okay let's let's put on your rich guy hat for a second let me let me just state for the listeners neither Zandrick or I can afford to buy any sort of NBA or NBA affiliated team. But if you're an owner and you could buy, let's say you buy the Santa Cruz Warriors and you know that if you win the G League, you get to be an NBA team and you get the NBA money. Do you think that's not something that other rich people would be interested in doing? You know what a rich person would not be interested in doing? Um, are you getting attacked by, are you getting attacked by your dog? <laughs> He's upset with just the idea. Right? <laughs> um, you know, it's not fun as an NBA owner. Let's say you're the Atlanta Hawks who have the lowest payroll in the league right now because they have a lot of young guys, but that happens to be $108 million. Suddenly you wake up tomorrow and you're playing, you know, in the D league or the G league and you're making what, like your revenue is like 20 million a year. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. There's such a gap between the payrolls of these NBA teams and the D league teams. It just doesn't make sense. But then doesn't that encourage, I think this would actually be more apt in baseball just because it would encourage owners to spend more money rather than just pocketing right. well, money. Ba- baseball has more of like that, upper class, lower class teams. Like NFL has like the most parity. But but wouldn't it be, wouldn't it encourage you more? I guess, I guess you're right. With like a hard cap, it doesn't necessarily work in an uncapped league. Like what's the payroll of a G League team right now? Yeah, it's low. Very I mean, it's low. not even close, right? Is, is it even like $20 million? Like no. the highest paid guy, if you don't count two-way guys, which NBA guys pay their contracts, I think like the highest paid guy is like a guy on an Exhibit 10 deal who makes like 
$80,000 or something. Yeah. I mean, it, you'd have to, it would, what would realistically happen is that you would have like a, t- a market like Memphis be like, Hey, we're just going to be a lower class team. And, and then we're just going to scrape by and pay guys like the bare minimum. And then hope to, our goal is to avoid getting demoted. Every and that's, and that's sort of what happens. Like I said, we use these cross sports sport comparisons, but like that is, you know, the premier league, Manchester City is spending $500 million on salaries. Like in baseball, the Yankees are spending $300 million, and that, that's not the case in the NBA. There are teams that don't spend to the salary floor, but there are most teams spend close to at least the apron. So I guess you're right. I, I guess my, my main question is, is this necessary? Is the NBA season boring? No, it's, fine. it's boring, but it's fine right now. And so uh, the problem is, like, everyone agrees that the regular season should be shorter. You should probably eliminate back-to-backs in general. Do you think it's going to happen? Like I saw Dave DeFore, who works for The Athletic, he wrote that the NBA season should be 58 games. And I think that seems... Well, then the playoffs is like half as long. Um, I, I think that seems bad for sure. 58, yeah. I think is well, too Well, I would low. say this. This is my pitch because this is the problem. Like whenever you eliminate games, which makes sense, you want to find ways to add back the revenue. And that's what the idea of all this is. And same with the NFL. Like they play four preseason games and they're always trying to eliminate two. And then the NFL like refuses because they want to find new ways to add those games back like a bunch of you know greedy pigs um i would say this i think i pitched this before i i would like totally realign the whole thing and make you know um four conferences but forget that what if you did instead of a 30 team tournament you do like an international tournament you take out four games and then you send um eight teams to china for like a week at some point in the regular season, you could space it out, you know, one a month, eight teams go to China in December and they play a little tournament for the China cup and winning the China cup has to do something besides financial incentive. It would have to add, like, let's say not only do you add those games to your wins, but you get like a plus three win total or something like that. And so it adds like a little prestige. It's a little fun thing to watch. And then the next month, you know, eight different teams go to Mexico and play in the Mexican Cup. And then that gets a little incentive. And then every month you have these little tournaments that will keep the excitement going. I think that's a good idea. I, I, but I just, again, I just wonder, you, you're right in the sense that I think the incentive needs to be, like it can't just be, it can't be financial. Players and coaches make too much money, you know? Like well, it just, I think like from like a human being standpoint, it would be nice Hey, to like, you know, go to Japan for, you know, a few, like a few weeks and then play in a game that adds like a new like spark or, you know, going to India, they want to grow that market. Why not play a week or two in India for eight teams? I think that'd be really fun. And that would be where you're saying like, you would shrink the schedule that way because you would need to, to travel to India. Like, obviously if you're there for a week, like then you'd need time on the back end to like, you can't play a game in, in India on Friday and then have like a Sunday game in LA, you know? And some of the t- problems that teams get into with this kind of thing, leagues, is like they have one game in like London or they have one game in Mexico. But if you send like eight teams and you can do sort of a round robin thing, then you'll make, make it worth it, basically. Well, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, because I think the one of the biggest like, OK, the guy on Reddit did the whole like James Harden plays worse in cities where there's strip clubs. And I do want to I want to say this like I, I that in itself was an amusing piece of research, but obviously like whatever NBA players. And any professional athletes, they go out in other cities, like they go out in their own city. And, you know, it's a weird job because like, unlike a typical person, you don't have to be up and at the office at 830 in the morning. Like, it's just not how it works. Your time is your own. But I typically think that 
average fans just think NBA players like, oh, uh, we're playing the Timberwolves tonight. Like that game doesn't matter. And that is not true. I don't believe that. I think guys do stupid things. And I think guys take certain things more seriously, just like an average worker would take, you know, maybe he takes a Wednesday less serious than he takes a day that he has a big meeting. But I do think NBA players care about regular season games. I don't think the effort and energy level is as big of an issue as people think. Do you, do you think I'm off base saying that? No, I think, I think in general, players play harder than they did when I was a kid. Right. And that's the other thing. Like, it might not be as physical or it might be different types of physicality. Well, you know why, though? I, you know what I think it is? I think it's like, you know, you could love Uber or hate Uber, but, you know, the Uber drivers are held accountable, you know, because they have that star system. So they're trying their best. And I think the advanced stats and all the charting now makes NBA players more accountable because like, oh crap, like my advanced plus minus is bad. You know, like people are going to notice if I'm coasting. now. The first year of sports view, when it came out that James Harden spent X amount of time standing around and I don't remember the actual number, but like he and John Wall and like one other very well-known star spent the least amount of time sprinting that following season James Harden all of a sudden was a better defender. His effort level was higher. I think you're right about that because the tape and the stats don't really lie about things anymore. So I don't know. I I felt like this was an interesting thing because I I feel like it's more of the NBA reacting. Yeah, it's definitely an overreaction. And although certainly this, can I, can I rant two more things, two more people who annoyed me about this? Um, This, this came last season, but Jeannie Buss was saying um, the Lakers owner, you can't go from 82 to, shorter games because it would screw up the records. It's like, no one cares about like the individual records, you know, season totals, maybe the wins total 73 wins, but that's probably it. Like no one knows total points record for James Arden or Will Chamberlain. It's just not how you count stats. Wouldn't you say that counting stats are as least, um, are the least valuable that they've ever been? Yeah, totally. Um, um, and then the other thing that's annoying, that just kind of annoyed me today, uh, for a different reason, I saw Mark Cuban was against the idea of shortening the regular season. He tweeted, in my opinion, key reason for I'm not in favor of a shorter than 78 game schedule in a very competitive environment, our potential customers' greatest challenge are customer acquisition and retention. And, and I'm just thinking, I hate business people in general who like, maybe they went to business school, maybe they're just around business school people. Like they use like these like buzzwords that they think make them sound smarter, like customer acquisition costs and stuff like that, just for like very common sense, the arguments. And like, you can't tell me that, you know, game 80 of 79 is where they like catch a lifelong fan. You know, it's just so annoying. I hate when like, like I took like a few business classes or marketing classes and I was just struck by like, they're saying the most common sense thing and they put a term on it and suddenly it becomes a science. It's just like, come on guys. (laughs) I mean, I do like the idea of playing more games because I think the sample is better and I think you get an opportunity to see people. And I know the reason that the guy, Dave DeForest had 58 games is because then you just played at home and home with every single team. So everyone got an opportunity to, but I don't know. Are you, are you under the opinion that Mark Cuban likes to sound smarter than he actually is at this point? Just to talk about Mark Cuban for a second, like no, and and I don't get me wrong. I know that there is like actual customer acquisition costs for like actual businesses and there's business plans, but like you know, if you overuse the terms or you just like you know throw them out like as a buzzword, it's, it's like it is very much a guy trying to sound smarter than he is. And, he, and in a way, he's like he's like a liberal Donald Trump, where he's like 
he's playing the role of a great businessman on TV. And so like somehow people think he's like this genius in every aspect. Isn't there, isn't it? We're way off topic as usual. And then we'll get to our Thanksgiving. We're going to give thanks after the break for some things that are going on and, and say some things that we also are not thankful for, which is a very odd Thanksgiving thing to do, but that's the second half of the show. But the, the thing with like, you're from LA, you've lived out in California for a majority of your life. Isn't there a large contingent of people that got rich when the tech bubble was going on that just pretty much got lucky and their, their idea wasn't any better, but like selling tech in the early nineties was as easy as anything. So like there's this whole group of people that are well, super Cuban, rich and specifically. Well, that's, that's like the whole thing in, in DC. Everyone talks about Daniel Snyder that like he's a billionaire, but in reality, like he's really not a great businessman. He just was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and I mean, if for people who don't know, Mark Cuban. Broadcast.com. Broadcast.com. You know, the height of the boom uh, was acquired by Yahoo for $5 billion. And then the company just like crashed, you know, after the, everything fell apart. Right. Like once he sold it, it was it literally a year later, it was worth like 5% of that or something. Yeah. And, and he's kind of like, I don't know if you watch Silicon Valley. Do you watch that? Obviously, I watch the show's great. Well, and so they like make fun of that, like Russ Hanneman is like put radio on the internet. It's like, he's not as obnoxious as that character, but like, he's like the rich guy who got, got lucky once and then thinks he's a big business genius. Yeah. And did something stupid, like put $2 billion of Bitcoin on a flash drive and accidentally threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you think Russ Hanneman as an NBA owner would be kind of like Mark Cuban's first few years. I think he's kind of calmed down a little bit. But the problem now is that Cuban, and this is this is where it's tough, because like I don't know what owner would agree to this, right? Because if, if, if there's a lot less games, like your ticket sales are lower, your merch sales are lower, you're obviously getting less of a TV cut and because there's less games. Like that's just, the, you know, the fight for national TV games is going to be more than ever. Well, you know what's kind of annoying, I'm sure, from the owner's perspective is, you know, a lot of this comes down to the players. If you ask the players, look, you can go play 60 games, but you have to take, you know, three quarters of your salary. They would say, no, well, let's play 82 games. And now they have the best of both worlds because they're like, you're paying me a 82 game salary, but I'm only going to play 65 games. Yeah, correct. So maybe there should be, you know, if you want to think about load management, if it's really a problem, which I don't think it is, you could make like more of the salaries players get tied into the games played. Yeah, like incentivize contracts a little bit more. In the NBA, that's the one reason why, like, the league is, you know, it's same with baseball. Like, those contracts are fully guaranteed. And when you sign, you know, if you sign a non-incentive-based deal, just a max deal, you know, in the NBA, that's great. And, you know, one of the things I will say with load management is, like, Kawhi has sort of become a punching bag for load management. But I do think it's pretty clear that he has to play a little bit differently than everyone else. Like, I don't think a guy like LeBron has nagging injuries that he really needs to manage. It's just smarter to play him less because he's getting older. Just like when the Spurs started to do this with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu, it was more intelligent. But nobody's saying R.J. Barrett needs to play less than 80 games. Like, that's not what we're saying. To my original point, like, how many people really care and how much of this is just, like, trying to come up with a a storyline? Like, do we really care that, like, the Knicks are going to tank in the last month? No, the Knicks fans are probably happy and excited about the lottery. And... Do we really care that Kawhi Leonard's not playing you know, against the you know, Hornets in January? No, no one really cares. Come on. Right. And, and I understand, like, being upset. Like, if, you have the La- if, if you're the league and, like, the Lakers and Clippers is a 930 Eastern TNT game and Kawhi decides he's not playing, I understand the league being upset. And I understand fans being like, oh, this sucks. But, like, would you not rather have 
Lakers Clippers Western Conference Finals and seven games of Kawhi Leonard, or would you rather have the Wednesday night in January Kawhi Leonard versus LeBron matchup? And you and you wonder too. Like I hear this all the time. Um, Kawhi again. You're right. He's the poster child for this now. Uh, and everyone says, "Oh, you know, hey, it worked. It worked last year. It worked last year. Like it worked last year because you know Kevin Durant got hurt and Clay Thompson got hurt. Well, how much of this? It was would a be perfect different? storm of everything going right, and it worked. Yeah. Like, and how much would this be different if they got blown out by the Warriors in the finals and Kawhi Leonard looked like he was, you know, seventy percent healthy, which he kind of did. And even if they didn't win, Kawhi still may need to only play sixty-five games a season just because of you know his body and some of his injuries, and that's still possible, but. You're exactly right. Like maybe we don't have a random game where like Giannis gets rested later in the season because the Raptors didn't win the NBA Finals. And again, I agree with you. I don't really think this is an issue. I think the idea of the play-in tournament and an in-season tournament are very interesting. Play-in tournament I really like because I think, you know, then you do give some opportunity for teams in the 10th or 11th spot to really compete. But I don't know. I ultimately don't think this in-season tournament is going to happen because I really don't think that they'll be able to do it for my financial incentive. But Speaking of incentives, as podcast hosts, Zandrick, we are afforded some incentives ourselves. And one of them is we do business with a company called Wrangler. And one thing we know about Wrangler is they make cool jeans for guys who want to look and feel good. And one of the things I will say is they have some unbelievably great new styles. Let's talk about Wrangler for a second. You remember Brett Favre and like outdoorsman and stuff? Well, they sent me a pair of regular straight leg jeans. Phenomenal. Super comfortable. This material's a little bit stretchy. I'm a little bit of a bigger guy. I'm about 6'3". No big deal. Played basketball in high school. But I love the comfort level and the look of their jeans. They're not just like, oh, like I'm going on a hike. I'm going to put on Wrangler. It's like, hey, like I'm going out. I'm going on a date with my wife. I'm going to a meeting. Like I'm going to wear these jeans because they're really comfortable and they look really good. And like I said, they, they fit me and more of an athletic or, you know, out of shape older guy build. And they fit Brian, who's an in shape older guy, but who needs, <laughs> you know, his old guy fun. watching quick in the dead. Right. And then, like I said, they, they sent me a vest. I thought that was really great. And they, they sent us a couple of long sleeve button down shirts that also are, you know, every day, you know, wear shirts walking around the house. And I, I really appreciate Wrangler and how versatile and comfortable their new styles are. So if you're interested in looking and dressing like myself and Zan, go to wrangler.com backslash underdog NBA to find your new favorite jeans. Wrangler, wear with abandon. Um, you know, I was thinking earlier, you mentioned you led the podcast with the idea that we're going to be a day late and something crazy might happen, um, which is, you know, maybe James Harden scores 80 points. You never know. Maybe somebody gets hurt. And that's like the thing that makes sports so exciting to watch live because it's you know it's unscripted anything might happen any second i was thinking to me there's two moments that stand out as maybe like two of the most exciting television moments one i missed i was watching the pacers pistons game um you know that ended up being like the brawl and it was like kind of a blowout in the last few minutes and i turned it off and then like a minute later i I saw afterwards that there was this crazy brawl and i wish i saw it live but the one that was almost even more memorable for me and more exciting was, and more unexpected, Holyfield Tyson. Mike Tyson takes a bite out of Evander Holyfield's ear in the middle of a championship fight. Like, you cannot get more 
shocking, memorable television and that. That's the kind of personality you're dealing with, Mike Tyson. And so we're so excited to be welcoming Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson to the Podcast One family. Listen, as Mike Tyson, baddest man on the planet, pours his soul into conversations with fascinating minds, celebrities, and athletes, along with his cosmic millennial sidekick and former NFL player, Eben Britton, from LA, actually, went to John Burroughs High School. Kid Dynamite dives deep into the issues impacting all of us today. This podcast will change the way you see the world. I'm reading that. That's, that's a bold claim. Um, I'm not sure about that, but I am sure that you should not miss Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One because you never know what he's going to say. Did you watch Tyson Holyfield live on pay-per-view? I did. I did. And, How old uh, were you when that happened? That was like, what, 95? <laughs> what is the theme of the podcast? Like age shaming? No, no, no I just on? mean like, I just mean like, I don't remember the date of that. Tyson Holy that was Tyson Holyfield too, right? Um, yeah, and you know, speaking of you know ancient Zan, like that was the days like when people used to get together to watch you know heavyweight title fights, and I remember watching like you know having people having parties and going over to people's houses. Nineteen ninety seven. I was yeah, come on. <laughs> when were you born? What's the last fight that you ordered a pay per view for and watched with somebody? Because I did for. Mayweather, Mc- Mayweather Pacquiao. McGregor, and oh Mayweather yeah, I did. I, usually the Mayweather, um, and that that was kind of like a renaissance. A little bit of that, like Mayweather, De La Hoya, and then they'd sucker you into like Mayweather, like Hatton or something. I'll tell you what, I will order Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury too, if that happens. Especially after Wilder's fight this past weekend, where he just literally losing the fight the entire time and then the seventh round just unloads a right on Luis Ortiz and just I mean like I don't know how guys get punched in the face for a living it looked like (laughs) his head exploded because so much sweat jumped off his face when Wilder hit him but boxing is fun it's not been as fun of late there's not as many good personalities like that's why the Mike Tyson thing's got to be great you know especially when they did that like 24 7 like with the people it's one of those things that gets you so excited and hyped up and the weigh-ins and then face-offs and you're really excited. And the, the fights rarely live up to the hype. They never do. And they're always much more boring than people think, especially right. heavyweight especially fights. They're so slow. Or like the Klitschko's, they're like defensive guys or like Mayweather. I mean, defensive it's May- yeah, Mayweather's super defense. And I don't think people gamble on boxing as much anymore because like you can go on Bovada and get like a great line, but I just don't know that like people are aware or keep up enough with like who is good value. It's not like I can watch a regular NBA game and, or an NFL game and be like, Hey, I think this is a good bet. Speaking of tournaments, you know, you know, I don't watch MMA, but um, they used to be tournaments. As far as I remember, like there'd be like eight men in the night and then they would like keep fighting until one guy won the tournament. And that's when I used to watch. Cause I love tournaments. Well, they did that in ultimate fighter too. And then there used to be like, there used to be like Tough Man. Did you ever watch that on FX? Tough Man tournaments that were basically like I love I'll watch any tournament. All right. Speaking of, let's talk a little bit more NBA before we get out of here. So Thanksgiving theme, uh, we're going to do a couple things we're thankful for and then a couple things we're not thankful for of so far in the NBA season. Uh, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You can go first. All right. First thing I'm thankful for, the Toronto Raptors and uh, Nick Nurse, Masai Ujiri, their, their whole roster – I was really impressed with last year how they decided to trade for DeMar DeRozan. And then this year they, they do not re-sign Kawhi Leonard, as we all know. And, you know, what do they do? They're just 12-4, and four, uh, third best simple rating system. They are eighth in offense and sixth in defense. They just beat the Sixers on Tuesday night, held Joel Embiid to zero points in 32 minutes. And, 
you know, they're doing it without Kyle Lowry right now, and they just keep trucking along, and you know, Serge Ibaka's not playing, and it's, it's really impressive to me that the organization can kind of just roll over. They developed Siakam into a guy who is a, a, definitely a two-way star, and I think it's really awesome to see a franchise for once not be like, oh, man, we need to blow it up or, you know, not go the other direction with it either and be like, now let's try to trade our young guys to win right in the moment. They've been able to pivot a couple different times, and I'm, I'm just really impressed. I'm really impressed with their coaching staff, really impressed with their player development staff, and, you know, I was low on the Rockets or the Raptors this year. I thought they probably were going to miss the playoffs. Like I, I said that I thought that was a surefire under on Bovada. And they make, they're making me look very stupid because they look like an incredibly competent team right now. And again, very fun to watch, very defensively sound. And Nick Nurse, you know, great encore to last year. He, he looks every bit as good of an elite coach as you've called him from the beginning. So I wanted to say that I was thankful for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. And we mentioned before, like the East, especially maybe besides Toronto, one of the pleasant surprises, there's not that many surprises in the NBA. And I think the biggest one is just like how good Luka Doncic has been. I mean, like we don't want to, you know, say it every week, but it's sure every week, 30, 10 and 10, the guy is how old is he? 20, 20 years old. It's amazing. I mean, it's great for the NBA number one, but also like, it's humbling in a way. And like the more that I watch basketball and we do these podcasts, theoretically we're supposed to be experts. Um, the more you realize like you don't know everything, you don't know much of anything. Like I was a little skeptical of Luka Doncic as a superstar like this. I thought he would be like a good player. Uh, I thought he'd be like 25 and five, you know? And to see him at 30, 10 and 10 in his second year before he even legally old enough to drink is amazing. And it's, it reminds you, like, there are still unexpected things. Players can still surprise you. You don't know everything as arrogant as you want. And that's like one of the things I have to get over as, like, an analyst is stubbornness, you know? Like, people can change your minds. And, like, the fact that I watched Luka Doncic for two games in, in the EuroLeague, like, I'm not an expert on Luka Doncic. I don't know his, him that well. I don't know what his personality like is like, you know? And conversely, like, somebody like Josh Jackson that I was high on, like, I don't know what's going on in his head and, and maybe what's going on in his head did not translate to being an all-star player. So like I'm trying and I'm thankful for like the humility to understand that like I might be wrong and I have to change my opinion when it's clearly plain as like, you know, my face that like he's, he's going to be a great player if he's not one of the best players already. Let, let's talk about Luca for real quick. I do want to shout out one other thing I was going to say, because I thought you were going to make a point about Nick nurse, but uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson a guy whose brother I coached in college, uh, they're from Chester, Pennsylvania, is open in a charter school. He's gonna, it's going to be called CHAP Charter School. CHAP is kind of his personal brand, stands for calm, humble, and patient. And uh, he kind of said that LeBron inspired him with his like Promise Academy. And so he is founding a charter school in Chester, PA, which is a very rough city right outside Philadelphia. And I uh, wanted to shout out Rondé Jefferson, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You, you, thought, for the... you thought I was going to mention that? Well, I thought you were going to mention how you like Nick Nurse and we were kind of going to banter back and forth about no, the I do like that. that. Well, I was trying to pivot to my humility, so I don't want to brag about how I knew Nick Nurse is in the Man, let's talk about Luca for a second. And like, there are so many stats out there for like what this guy's doing as a 20 year old, but I just want to talk about like, the situation is so important. And it is very clear that like Dallas, like Luca was their guy. We know that they traded you know, they flipped traded with the Hawks, so it ended up being Trey Young and Cam Reddish. Reddish has been so bad on offense this year, but he's actually been an okay defender. He's very young still. Like it's easy to say that like Cam Reddish is a bust. He's definitely not. Like there, he might be, but there, he's definitely not right now. 
But like, if you're Dallas, like they looked at this guy and they were like, he's not an amazing shooter. He's probably not a pure point guard, but what he is in the NBA is a thing that constantly is what you need to win a title in today's NBA, which is a, a ball handling wing who can carry a massive load on offense and impact you in all facets of the game. And like, it is unbelievable how good this kid is already. And, and I just mean from like every sort of stat, Zan, like, it's amazing. He's getting to the line nine times a game, 10 assists a game. I so mean, like, I, I know that we talk about like advanced stats are, are, are contextual without context. Like they're kind of stupid, but like, I'm just going to throw out some of the things that Luka Doncic is currently leading the NBA in win scores, win scores for 30 per 38 offensive box plus minus box plus minus and value over replacement player. So in all the stats that the nerds have to try and normalize player performance and compare each individual player, Luca is very clearly one of like the three best players in the NBA right now with Giannis and James Harden. And that's not even a slight to a guy like LeBron who's having a great year. Well, I think I saw one of the craziest stats, like PER, which is kind of an outdated stat. Yeah, personally. I think it said Luca right now has like the second best PER of all time. Well, he's second in PER currently in the NBA for this season. Too. No, but I think I think the number one was Giannis all time, and then he's number two all time. And like the yeah, and like the third, the third and fourth were like Will Chamberlain in the sixties or something. I'll have to double check that stat. And and LeBron, and obviously PER, you know, it's a, a stat that kind of was a good springboard into you know trying to compare players across teams, but. You know, currently you have three guys whose purrs are over 30, and that's James Harden, Giannis, and Luca. And I think those guys have pretty clearly been the three best players. No, let, let me amend that. It's even more impressive. This is from Hoops Hype. Uh, oh, this was two days ago, so hopefully it's still correct. Um, you think Giannis jumped past him, but they're saying as of November 24th, Luca Doncic has the best PER in NBA history this season. It's just, it's just insane that, like, and again, there's a lot of this whole thing like, oh, Trey Young's really good as well. And like, let's not crown Luca. And like, who knows if this continues? But even just this like 16 game stretch, it's like, if this is what you see from this guy and this is his peak, and, and if he doesn't average 30, 10, and 10 for the season, like, okay, great. You know, how many guys have actually done that? But like, on his efficiency, the guy's shooting 50% from the field. It's not even like this whole James Harden thing. And I do think his shooting numbers will regress a little bit. Right. But you say like, this is his peak. And I'm looking at this is, again, the stat PER, best PER seasons of all time. The other ones on the top 10, Giannis at age 25, Wilt at age 26 and 25, and LeBron at age 24 and 28, and Michael Jordan at age 24. So no one is even close to this at this age. Like no one in the top 10 is younger than 24. So for him to be on this list at age 20. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's totally amazing. For a guy that had as much hype as he did, like I, I don't – I swear, like – I don't know how you could draft DeAndre Ayton. And I said this last year, and I didn't say that I thought Luka was the best player in the draft. But if you look at a guy that's a wing like this, knowing what we know about the NBA right now, like you can't be taking a five-man. Well, and that's, that's what I mean like in terms of being – maybe I was wrong about that. Seems likely. Um, and I wasn't even – I was, at the time, I'm like, I think I know what Luka's going to be. I'm, I'm open to being surprised. Like the guy who almost illustrates like my um, – wrongness and stubbornness the most is Zach Levine, I think, because like we saw a lot of them, you know, we saw three or four years of him not playing defense and being in this empty calorie inefficient score. And then they signed him to this big extension. And I was pretty dead set certain it was a bad contract. Um and then still, the it's still seasons, it still might be, by the way. <laughs> but the last two seasons he's been a much better scorer and certainly a guy like for a 
bad team that it's happy to have. So like, I think you just have to be open to being wrong. Yeah, I agree with that, that you do kind of just have to be open to being wrong. I don't always think that that's like the best idea or the best thing to have is like, I think you need to look at well, in my old age, maybe it's an old age wisdom kind of thing. You're still in that cocksure, young 35 year old or whatever you are. Here's what I think is the most important thing. When you look at a guy like Luca is, is to understand like, okay, when you evaluated him, why did you evaluate him the way that you did? And what is different about how you evaluated him? And a lot of it might just be that like, the Mavericks saw this specific guy who can play this offense and you didn't see that. Cause if he goes to the sun, no, I'll be honest with you. I mean, first of all, I, I like ranked him as like the third best prospect. I thought he would be a good starter. Yeah. It's not like you were saying like, this guy sucks. I guess. No, 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 totally. I thought he'd be a good player. Um, I was worried about, you know, just like the shooting, which has gotten him better. You know, he hadn't shot well in the Euro league. He didn't shoot that particularly well last year. Um, and then honestly, like you have to factor in the racial component. Like I, I'm like looking in my head, I'm like, how many white guys are, can hang on the perimeter defensively? I wonder what his, uh, I wonder what his MVP odds are right now. I think well, Giannis on, the, is, on basketball reference, he's second in the NBA tracker, NBA MVP tracker. Um, but I think the favorite right now is probably LeBron in terms of like the voting narrative. And oh, then, I, thought, but I, I thought Giannis, I thought Giannis would still be the favorite. I, I, I mean, go on like, Bovada and look. Yeah, like the tracker, which is statistics, has Giannis, Luca, LeBron, and Harden. I think those are the clear favorites. Um, but I think if the media was voting right now, they'd probably go LeBron, then Giannis. It does seem like Luca is the type of guy where like the NBA really, like the media loves him. And then the, the poor guy who's not going to get any benefit of the doubt is Harden, you know, averaging 38 points a game and somehow will finish fourth. It's, o- it's over, it's over for, for Harden, even if he averages 40 points a game. Uh, all right, real quick. One thing I am not thankful for, and I know you want to talk about Zach Levine a little bit too, and, and we can. No, that's fine. No, I just did. Uh, I am not thankful for the Washington Wizards defensive effort. We have not talked a lot about the Wizards on this podcast, but they are second in offensive rating and 30th in defensive rating. It is amazing. They are swinging the ball around, spraying it around. Mo, Mo Wagner, Davis Bertans, Brad Beal, they're all playing great, and they cannot – we could – form a team it could be like the two of us and three guys who pick up in the stands and we might be able to score 100 points on the Wizards and it's it's real disappointing because I think you look at a team like the Wizards and you're like man we want to see what kind of players we have and it's great they look awesome on offense but unless you can kind of devise a defensive scheme and decide like okay how can these guys play on the other side of the ball I don't think you truly know what you have in guys like Bertans and and Mo Wagner because like I just don't understand how you credibly evaluate them because you're like yeah we can outscore teams but like What's our problem on defense? And I don't know if that's like, you know, Thomas Bryant or youth because they are very young. They still do play Isaiah Thomas, although they're playing him a lot less than they were. But it's like this is a team that is kind of fun and, and, and interesting to watch, but just huge defensive issues. And I think that makes you a little bit – it puts a bad taste in your mouth when you talk about a guy like Rui or you talk about, you know, some of their young guys because it, it makes you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt and be like, well, they're just playing a super fast pace and their shooting's bound to regress, so how are they going to win? But – Wizards have been very fun on offense and they have been absolutely ghastly on defense. And I'm, I'm disappointed in that because it's, it's a lot of an effort thing. Like you typically say, but this seems to be like a little bit of a failure of the coaching staff to devise a good scheme for the players that they have. And then some effort as well. Well, I'm supposed to say something I'm not thankful for. Yeah. This is the last thing too, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to flip it around because it's the holidays. Cause I want to say one like kind of cheesy sentimental 
positive thing. And I was just thinking, because you mentioned before, like, you know, NBA players going out and, you know, having fun, they're young people traveling. Why wouldn't they? It's just amazing to me thinking about like all these young players, like Luka Doncic, you know, a kid coming over from Slovenia, he's 20 years old, you know, becoming a star for the first time. All these kids didn't spend a lot of time in college, if at all. How amazing is it that there are, what, 300 NBA players more, 400 NBA players? And it feels like like they're they're all really like handling their business really well. Like on, considering how hard it is with social media and like you know the media always trying to poke holes at them, and you see it all the time in the NFL. All these like bad eggs, you know, just like getting in trouble and you know beating up women and or just anything, just like fighting all the time. Antonio Brown is like the NFL is like littered with like these problem childs, and you can barely find any in the NBA. The NBA, it seems like they have less time on their hands too, because you're constantly on the road. I, I don't know, but it's just it, it's it's amazing to me, like how like how these young guys are like delivering on the the hype for the most part. Like you know, like a Luka Doncic, like there were some rumblings that maybe he didn't have a great work ethic, and maybe his fitness wasn't top notch, and and maybe. And hey, look, he worked on it. He got better in year two. He looks like a superstar. I mean, I think there's as many good young players in the league. You know, John Morant has been great. Brandon Clark's been awesome. I mean, R.J. Barrett's shown definite splashes. I I worry a little bit about DeAndre Hunter. He he can only dribble with one hand. I think that's not great. But, you know, Rui has been very good for the Wizards. There are a lot of good young guys and, and guys that are just ready to be contributors right away. Like, we haven't even talked about a guy like Devontae Graham who goes from an absolutely like terrible second round pick last year to like averaging 18 points a game and shooting like, you know, 40% from three. It's amazing how good some of these young guys have gotten right away. And I think that, you know, whether or not it's your Kendrick Nunn's or your Tyler heroes or, you know, your Bam out of bios where you're watching them kind of like Kendrick Nunn did. He's the one guy who did have an incident, bad incident. Yes, he did in college, but I'm just saying like, it's amazing that these guys are just like kind of thrust into the spotlight and ready to go. And I think that's one of the reasons that league, you know, we talked, we started the show talking about like why the regular season maybe needs to kind of amp up a little bit. But like when you have these types of guys that are so exciting and they're ready to kind of take their place as stars, like Luka Doncic is much watched TV. Trey Young just last night goes for like 37 and nine. They lose, but like that's a guy that if he's on TV, you can watch it. John Morant, same deal. Like there are more good players in the NBA now than there ever has been. And I do want to just throw this out here. Mo Wagner currently uh, true shooting percentage, 73.2%. Effective field goal percentage, 71.2%. So basically best offensive player in the history of the NBA. But So that's the takeaway. Like regular season may be slow, may be a little slog, but caliber of player is really amazing. And every night you can watch, you know, James Harden's going to hit 70 one night soon. And Luka Doncic might hit like 50, 10, and 10 any night. You know, it, it is incredible to see the individual performances. Giannis had 50, 14, and 6 on 31 shots on Tuesday night. Do you think if we could get this prop on Bovada, will you get a Giannis triple double or a James Harden? I would say Giannis triple double or James Harden eighty point night, which is more likely to happen? Sixty point triple triple double because oh, Harden, Harden Harden can do the sixty point triple double as well, but like it's just amazing. And again, I don't know. I don't know when we should start saying that like counting stats are all inflated and we just don't care anymore. But like you got to. Well, you got to play the games. Like, you have to play. What are you going to do? No, no, I, I mean, I agree. I, I like kind of discount some of these stats. Like, obviously, Luka Doncic is not having the greatest season of all time, you know, if you adjust well, for pace. but By player efficiency rating, <laughs> you said he is having the greatest season of all time. Oh, did you, did you say the MVP odds already, or did you? 
it is, I loaded it up and then I, uh, I have right, it. here yeah, on, I have it. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. You go ahead. What do you got? Well, you read me on Bovada because that's my preferred site. Uh, they did, they were off on Bovada. That was the only reason. Oh, okay. I so right now I've got Giannis. I've got Giannis plus 230, Harden plus 300, LeBron plus 600, Luca plus 650, Anthony Davis plus 800, and then a bunch of guys. On this site, Luca's even higher, number two, but I think that might just be like public action. They're getting excited about him. I mean, if I could get Luca plus a thousand or like plus 600, like I I don't think he can keep this up, especially because, like I said, some of his shooting is bound to regress a little bit because he is shooting so well from two. But like, the guy that I would bet on, it's not good odds, but if I had to pick somebody, forget the odds. I think Giannis is going to win. Giannis is going to win again, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because you talk about like sustainability, like he's probably going to be healthy. The Bucks quietly are really good again, you know. Somebody's going to figure it out eventually, Zan. They're going to be like, man, the Bucks are awesome. Why don't we talk about this? Because it's exactly what happened last year. They were unbelievable. And then in the playoffs, we'll see. Can they sustain? Malcolm Brogdon was obviously a huge piece. And like, but Giannis is doing this without Chris Middleton right now. And it's like, I mean, it's like stunning how good he is. He's going to win this year. And then next year, we'll be able to pick off somebody else because of voter fatigue. That's what happens, right? Yeah, and, and we've said it before. Like the, people do repeat, and I think he's in that stage. Like this is this is his time to win a couple of them. It it is a real shame for my my guy Jimmy Harden because like it's amazing what the guy does every night. It's 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 also incredible because like they've been better with Russ off the floor and him on it. They've still been very good with the two of them on the floor. They've been absolutely terrible with only Russ on the floor and Harden off. So the Ra- the Rockets have a lot of things to work on, but the one thing that they don't have to worry about is like they just get these amazing efforts from Harden every single night, and it feels like we just don't talk about it. And I, I think like that's again just a maybe. Yeah, I feel I feel like what's that song like? You're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Was that Pitch Perfect? Yeah, it is. That is what it is. The Cups song. That's the that's Cups a movie. Song. That's a movie. Like Harden, I think the only way people would appreciate how great Harden is is if he got hurt for a month. And then you see this Rockets team. And they're like, oh, wow, it's not easy to replicate like 40, 12, and 8 every single night playing a super fast yeah. pace. So. And maybe maybe Westbrook can pick up some of the slack, but like that's a pretty janky-ass roster. Did you see his jumper the other night against the Clippers where like it, it felt so much, and I, I'm sure I saw this on Twitter or, you know, I didn't see it, but somebody did it, but they're playing the Clippers. It's a crazy game, like back and forth, awesome game. And uh Kawhi makes a jumper with 15 seconds left to go up one, and then Russ shoots a three that was, like, definitely wide open because they were like, that's cool, but he shoots an above the breakthrough with, like, five seconds left in it. It very much looked like the scene in Fresh Prince where Carlton steals the ball from Will at Bel Air Academy and just throws it at the basket from half court. And, you know, everyone's just waiting for the Rockets to kind of implode because of Russ and and Harden not getting along. here's Here's what's crazy about Harden. He's averaging nearly 38 points a game, shooting under 34% from three, and and if he gets hot from three, I mean, 40 is not out of the question. Yeah, and that's uh, actually, he's been hot, hotter from three because he started so poorly. But also, again, for the second season And, and row, your guy, not to cut you off, but just to, on the same point, your boy, great player in Tyler Laurie's mind. I, I'm stubborn, but I'm learning humility. Tyler Laurie is not. Doubling down, Russell Westbrook, great player, top 10 player, shooting 23% from three. And he's not shy. 5.8 attempts a game. At some point, this will be my last thought on this, and then we will sign off so everyone can enjoy their turkey. At some point, there will be some sort of thought experiment of, like, is Russ better if he doesn't shoot threes or does he have to shoot threes? Because I do think from the whole analytics movement, it's like I have long been of the opinion that you need to at least shoot something because you have to show that you can make it 
five so times they, a game? Yeah, I don't know. It might, it might be better for them to just say, like, don't shoot threes. But the problem is if you don't shoot threes, then you still don't get guarded. And then does the offense clog up then too, you know? At least now he throws it in the ocean 23% of the time. The Russell Westbrook is shooting more threes per game than Larry Bird ever did. Nobody cares about that. These are different eras. Don't do that. I'm doing that because it's just ridiculous. <laughs> What's Russell Westbrook's <laughs> points per shot on a three-point shot? His points per shot? What, am I have to do math right now? No, I'm, if it's, I mean, again, to, it's – No, it shouldn't be too hard. It's, it's under see. one, obviously. He's shooting 23%, so you double that. It, he, he's shooting – effectively 36%, about 0.7. Right, and that's terrible. 0.72, whatever, that's yeah. terrible. He should be better than that. That's that's the issue. So, like, if he shoots two shots a game at 23%, you know, they still don't guard him. I don't know. It's a really interesting thing. It'll be interesting to see how they go. But that is it for us. I want everyone to enjoy their Thanksgiving. I am at CYS Tyler. He is at Zan underscore Ellison. You can listen to my other show, Create Your Shots. Brand new day. We're going on Fridays. And you can book now. Tyler on Cameo.com. He's going to do personalized shout-outs on Cameo.com. You, you cannot do that. As we're far we're as putting him on for the holidays. As far as you guys know, I am just a uh, voice. Nobody knows that I actually exist. Although, if you do book me on Cameo, I will be wearing Wrangler apparel, and you can kind of look and see how it looks. Especially on <laughs> Well, we're going to do that. Cameo, if you don't know, Blake J. Harris alerted to us that it's, we have to do Cameo. Cameo is like you could book these celebrities for like personalized ads. And our goal is to get Tyler Laurie on there, see his beautiful beard in person. And I think we're, how much would you charge? I think maybe like $4. Six, six, yeah, $6 for a minute long shout out. All right. Anyway. $6. So save up, by the way, guys, because you're going to want to book that Tyler. If Cameo. you do like what you hear, uh, leave us a review. Give us a five-star rating. You can email the show, xanderkellison at gmail.com. And that's uh, it for us this week. Next week, quarter season awards. Talk a little bit more about Luca. Kind of dive right into our ballots a little bit. Go into some coach of the year type stuff because I think there's some guys doing great jobs. But, Zan, enjoy your Thanksgiving. And uh, as always, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 